0: Welcome to Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast with Elizabeth Crawford, where I dish with trendsetters, tastemakers, and industry experts about everything from emerging trends to regulatory pressures to marketing strategies. Millets may be relatively little known in the global north currently, but the small, nutrient-packed and drought-resistant grains – well, technically seeds – are poised to become the next quinoa, with the power to turbocharge sales of CPGs featuring them, thanks to the Food and Agriculture Organization and the UN declaring 2023 the International Year of Millets. When the FAO and the UN declared 2013 the Year of Quinoa, few Americans knew what that grain was, let alone how to pronounce it. But it is now a staple in most U.S. homes, a sought-after ingredient in packaged foods, and a common feature on restaurant menus. A similar trajectory and feverish R&D of CPGs featuring pulses also happened in 2016, when the UN declared that the year of pulses, such as lentils and beans. So, while few suppliers and CPGs in North America have embraced Millet's marketing potential so far, Early adopters share in this episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast their enthusiasm and strategy for simultaneously promoting and writing Millet's coattails to the top. Ingredient supplier Arden Mills and food tech startup Rainfed Foods also share challenges and strategies for developing a reliable supply chain and innovating new products as well as the environmental, nutritional, and economic benefits of millets that make them worth fighting for. So the UN's decision to declare 2023 the international year of millet may be surprising to Americans who know what millets are, and most likely associated with bird food, which is how it's predominantly used here. But as RainFed Foods founder and CEO Sujalabology explains the family of cereal grains that make up millets actually has a long history as a staple in the human diet that was derailed partly by the U.S. government in the 1960s and 70s during what was called the Green Revolution. And the U.N.'s decision to put its marketing muscle behind millets in 2023 could be a way to undo some of the damage caused by that movement.
1: So, millets are ancient grains, but technically seeds, so they're pseudo cereals. Uh, and uh, we have been growing uh, millets for a very long time. I think there's like a really ancient poem from Chinese about millets, I'm not joking. <laughs> so, humans have been, millets are one of the oldest crops being cultivated on the planet. So it's not a new grain, it's, it's, it's been there for a long, long time. Uh, in, in India, for example, is one of the largest milk-producing countries in the world. So I grew up in India, and uh, what happened in the 60s and 70s when the population exploded is that there was an effort to increase yields and productivity, and then there were initiatives that came from the U.S. through some philanthropic foundations and initiatives that promoted intensification of crops like rice and wheat and they introduced hybrid varieties, which were fully focused on improving crop yields and increasing calories produced from those crops. So, um, Norman Borlaug, uh, the father of Green Revolution, he himself said this this revolution focused on calories, uh, not nutrients, so, We we had a bit of a focus on uh, improving, you know, uh, like I guess in North American diets, um, malnutrition is uh, is not the same as diets in some of the countries like India where I grew up. Here we have an overabundance of protein and less micronutrients, whereas in India. There is no overabundance of protein. There is a lot of uh, empty calories. So that's unfortunately a result of the green revolution. So what we need to do is, so, oh, uh, talking about millets. Millets are actually great in micro and macronutrients. They are a low glycemic crop. Uh, low, they have low glycemic starch. So. Uh, diabetes is a, is a very common disease occurrence in many parts of the world, especially in India where we eat a lot of rice. Uh, there is a huge population that's suffering from diabetes. So, millets are clinically proven to reverse diabetes if consumed regularly because of how low glycemic they are and the micronutrients and antioxidants and the amount of fiber in the grain. So such a nutritious grain to replace some of these common staples with. The UN declared um, 2023 to be the International Year of Millet. So we are here standing, talking on the International Year of Millet, so super exciting. Um, I... uh, uh, I gotta, I gotta say that uh, India was actually India and the ICRISAT, uh, The organization is called ICRISAT, which is uh, abbreviation for International Crop Research Institute for Semi-Arid Tropics. <laughs> so this organization really focuses on crops that can be grown um, in the semi-arid tropics, meaning tropical climates where drought is. Uh, becoming a bigger issue every single day and uh, this is a research institute that really cares about the benefits of hundreds of millions of people living in those areas and the countries are examples of some of the countries that the Institute focuses on Kenya uh, Ghana India uh, and the organization has a HQ in Australia Uh, so They are a global organization and they understood the importance of growing drought resistant crops and how that is absolutely needed if we have to continue to feed the growing population. So they really worked together with the FAO in providing them a sense of urgency to act and uh, made a push for the International Year of Millets. This, I think, this has been like at least three, four years in the making, and uh, the the FAO approved it last year or the year before, and it came into effect as of December 6, 2022. So this is a big deal uh, because 2013, as you mentioned, was the International Year of Quinoa. Uh, And, uh, you know, when I first started working with millet, I, I kept saying this is going to be the new quinoa. And then people were like, okay, do you know why quinoa became so popular? And then there were quite a few theories. And then this is how I actually proved my theory. If you go check the Google Trends search history, 2013 is where the spike happens for quinoa. So the Google search just jumped from that year on and then it kind of flattened a little bit I think so these initiatives what they do is really um, uh, put a focus on these crops and then FAO does a lot of a uh, lot of uh, work around promoting these crops in many different countries. They are definitely a little bit slow to come through to the consumer level, but they started a very very top level organization. Um, for example, today I heard uh, Danone knows that uh, UNs pushing for more millets to be grown in used. I was really happy to hear that because that's the type of organization that is going to Uh, take note of this and then think about incorporating this because, I mean, it takes time by the time we actually, as a consumer, see the impact of these initiatives. But as an industry, uh, now we're going to see a lot more of this in the next coming months and years.
0: According to Balaji, many of the reasons why the UN decided to focus on millets in 2023 are also selling points that CPG brands can leverage to connect with consumers. Including nutrient density, as she mentioned, and on-trend claims around regenerative agriculture and improved environmental sustainability.
1: Now I'm talking, trying to talk a lot about the regenerative aspects of millets because um, it's a drought-resistant crop. We're talking about droughts everywhere, and you know, it's, it's not just an issue in California; it is an issue in Canada. But we don't talk about it because uh, we're seeing impacts of drought in a very hidden format. And what I mean by that is that crop yields are decreasing year over year because of the impact of climate change. So it's subtle right now. The percentage of protein, for example, in like peas or soy is going down gradually. So that's going to drive up the cost of inputs uh, and uh, because of the Uh, extraction yield is going to be impacted so that's how it is today and that's going to get worse in a few years so I tell people like growing crops that are climate resilient or drought resistant it's just no longer just an option it's a necessity because that and then um, use of inputs uh, pesticides and fertilizers that's impacting the soil health in a really bad way so Crops like these, they actually improve soil health. Millets are amazing at fixing nitrogen in the soil. They're actually called a C4 crop. So by growing more millets, you're, uh, you have better nitrogen fixation. Uh, you don't need water. Uh, it just grows in rain, which is why we're called rain-fed foods, because these are rain-fed crops. Um, and... Uh, no, uh, So farmers can actually make more income because they're not spending extra amount buying pesticides and fertilizers because they are naturally easy to grow. Uh, they're pest resistant. So incredible benefits—not just for like you know consumers because it's a superfood, but it's great for the farmers as well and great for the planet as well. Which is why uh, millets are called smart foods. So there's an initiative called Smartfood.org that talks a lot about some of these crops and uh, how um, how we need to grow more of that in different parts of the world, and which we do. To fully seize
0: the potential of millets. Industry must simultaneously build consumer demand and a stable supply chain, neither of which is easy, but which RainFed and Ardent Mills are tackling head-on. RainFed is focused on building demand by incorporating millets into products with which consumers are already familiar, such as plant-based milk, and by creating a portfolio of versatile millet-based ingredients that other CPG manufacturers can easily incorporate across a range of products
1: in North America, in the U.S. and Canada, a lot of the millets that are grown are really going into applications like bird seed and animal feed, and uh, some of it gets exported uh, for biofuel applications, and um, we just need to really explore the application in food. Uh, They're very underexplored and underutilized at the moment. Um, Innovation is not... um, not where it should be today, and which is why we're starting with some novel approaches in turning millets into uh, a product that people can easily and readily try, like a milk is a plant-based milk is a very established space. We still decided to enter the category because that's a really amazing format for people to try it, because our milk, uh, it forms well. You can cook with it, you can blend it in your smoothies, eat it with your cereal, or drink a glass of it. it acts, it's, it's very delicious. Multiple uses, all in one. So we wanted to provide consumers with a friendly product that they don't have to work with much to consume it. Millets come in many different varieties and they are different in how they look, color, taste, texture when you cook, different nutritional profile. For example, there there is a variety that's really high in calcium. There is a variety that's high in iron. There's a variety that's high in fiber. So we were able to do a very thorough research on different varieties and pick and choose which of these will yield as the best optimal flavor profile and nutritional profile in our plant milk, and we were able to create this delicious milk. And uh, it's launching in Canada soon. We just finished our first production run, and um, we're launching it in two flavors one is the original, and the other one's chocolate. Both have eight grams of protein. Uh, we'll continue to work on other products in the, in the category uh, that is adjacent to us, for example, yogurts, and, um, uh, and then we'll see what uh, our consumer's demand is, because uh, we really want to fill a need for consumers, not necessarily create products for creating products' sake, but really address consumer demands through creating products. So that's, uh, that's what we want to do.
0: On the ingredient side, Rainfed is creating a spray-dried powder format that Balaji says is more versatile than flour and will be ready to launch in the fall.
1: It is a hydrolyzed, concentrated powder. So what the difference is, is that if you dissolve that in water, it will look a lot different from dissolving flour in water. <laughs> uh, this will actually look more similar to a beverage than a flour mixed in water. So it's a more functional, more um, delicious, uh, more nutritious Uh, format of millet that can be easily incorporated into a number of different applications to enhance the nutritional value of that product. So uh, with the milk, uh, we were able to just extract that liquid and then turn it into a milk. The same extract, we dried it, and then we turned it into a powder. So, one, it improves shelf life. It's easy to ship it to other consumers. And um, uh, in future, we'll also do a millet milk powder for um, uh, direct to consumers, which is becoming a popular format uh, slowly but surely. So uh, we don't have to ship uh, large packages of liquid uh, and that's easy on the shipping.
0: Ardent Mills sees potential for millet as a gluten-free option that works well in blends and as such is less expensive for smaller startups and companies, according to general manager Shreen White. 90%
2: of what we do is conventional white flour, whole wheat flour, and so 10% of what we do is in this gluten-free space, the organic space, and specialty area. And so when that consumer comes and says, gosh, I, wanna, I, I want something that's good for the planet, that's good for myself, that's gluten-free. We see you know, so many people moving towards that gluten-free space. This is one of those grains where if you're a startup company and you're looking for something that's maybe a little more economical than some of the other opportunities or grains out there that are gluten-free, this is a really good kind of entry point And so what we're able to do at our location in Harvey, North Dakota, is we can put a blend together. So maybe it's it's a blend of chickpea flour, quinoa flour, millet flour, and some starches. That can really help them if they're trying to develop a pizza crust or a bread or a pretzel. Um, So again, it's it's a nice entry point. It's gluten-free, so it's resonating with the consumer. It has a good water story that also resonates with the consumer. It's so fun when we let our team loose with some of these new grains. So, I mean, we've seen millet flakes, we've seen millet puffs, um, a lot of the, the millet, you have to curl it a little bit um, and before you can use it, and so again, it, we can you can just use it and soak it and put it into a bread in that whole form. We've got a couple new mixes that include it as a topping. Um, you can mill it into flour to be part of those blends. So it really is pretty versatile in how you use it. It's just you know, the imagination.
0: As demand for millet inevitably increases, rain-fed and ardent mills are aggressively building up a reliable supply chain. Bala G says that she's concentrating on sourcing millet from India because that's where she was born and believes it can have a significant social impact on the farmers there
1: uh we're working with uh, smallholder farmers in india mainly because social impact is uh, kind of close to my heart i grew up in india and uh, experienced uh, the struggles around poverty and uh, issues surrounding farmers uh, incomes and like how that impacts their livelihoods at a very personal level so i really wanted to do something about it through my career especially being in the food and agriculture industry so uh, working with them we were able to uh, really actually understand what, I, oh, and the other amazing thing about millets is that it grows in like 45 to 60 days it's got such a short crop cycle so uh, the farmers they actually uh, rotate between millets and something else like it could be cotton or sugarcane like some of the high um, uh, high yielding cash crops uh, so it's a um, great in between crop but that's also great for the soil so these are uh, a, a group of small farmers uh, and there are these organizations in india called farmer producer organizations so what they do is they work with a collective of farmers they source the grains bring it to a facility where it gets Clean, sorted, bagged, um, and then packaged into uh, a uh, quality-controlled uh, format where it's stored properly, where there is no um, no contamination, and then shipped to us directly. So. I mean, it sounds easy, but this, uh, <laughs> I, I must admit that I was overambitious when I first started this. I didn't think uh, how difficult this was going to be or how challenging this was going to be. It actually took a few years to set this up. And um, also, because millets can grow anywhere, uh, it's um, its easy to have more access to farmers in neighboring states or neighboring villages. and. Uh, uh, farmers are happy to grow millets as long as there is a uh, demand, right? Like as long as there is a buyer that is willing to compensate them uh, a fair value. Uh, we're actually working with this uh, farmer producer organization because we wanted to make sure that. These are not traders. We can easily, we could have easily gone through like a trading uh, route. There are traders in Canada that can source millets from India. But they squeeze the margins out of the farmers. But these people, they really want to ensure that farmers are paid fairly. So we pay actually a premium price for the millets. So the farmers are compensated well. So all of this took a, took a lot of uh, <laughs> challenges to work through to get to the stage where we're at. But we're really uh, confident in our supply chain. We also have another partner who is ready to supply us as we scale and grow. Um, And uh, millet's also grown in Africa. So we're really excited to explore the potential of, you know, uh, supporting local economies in different regions as we grow as well.
0: Arden Mills is helping to build out the supply chain for millet in the U.S. by concentrating on regions that struggle with droughts, according to White who added the company also is promoting the grain as a tool for regenerative farming and low-cost rotational crop.
2: You'll see a lot of farmers that do, they call fallows. So they leave the ground just bare for a year. Um, and what we're seeing, especially from a region perspective, we're trying to give them options for to keep something on that ground all the time. And so again, with the millet, there, it's something that they can follow after a soybean crop or after a wheat crop. And again, it's, it's really easy for the growers to, to produce. They don't need a lot of inputs, and they don't need a lot of water. Whenever you can keep a, a crop in the ground, it's just better for the soil from retaining water, from um, soil erosion perspective, and just helping to really develop that biomass that the soil needs to regenerate and be ready for the next crop.
0: With so many factors in millet's favor and the emerging support of the industry as well as the UN, The coming year will be a telling one for the grains, which those of you who are interested can learn more about at www.fao.org slash millets dash 2023 slash en. With that, we've reached the end of another episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast. I hope you'll join me again next week, and to ensure you remember, I encourage you to subscribe. Until next time, this is Elizabeth Crawford wishing you a productive, profitable, and safe week.